Hi, this is Justin Sosa, and welcome to Hangfire, a Rolling Stones podcast. Mick is the rock, I'm the roll. That's a quote by Keith Richards about the difference between him and his bandmate, Mick Jagger. I've always loved that quote since I thought it was completely appropriate for their dynamic. But we'll get back to this a little later. Welcome back to Hangfire, where we're piecing together the puzzle that makes up the Rolling Stones. In our first episode, we took a tour through Mick Jagger's chameleon-like artistry, where he shapeshifts from one song to the next. Today, we're shining a light on Jagger's other half, the yin to his yang, the riff master himself, the soul of the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards. You put on a Rolling Stones song and it will likely kick off with an iconic riff from Keith Richards, co-leader, partner to one of the greatest songwriting teams in rock and roll. The guy who, let's face it, will most definitely outlive us all. How would you describe Keith Richards? Well, let's see what his bandmates said in this interview from 1989. Well, Keith's like a gypsy, really. Pirate. He lives like that and he plays like that and um, he's a great rhythm guitar player anyway, I think. Probably one of the best rhythm guitar players there's been for years. And um, when he gets going, I mean, it really lifts the band. He's very together. You have to be careful what you say in front of him because he's very rarely wrong. <laughs> That's his big ammunition. Keith Richards is a complex character in his own right just like his co-general, Mick Jagger. Though you could say he's not as quick to change characters like Jagger. Mick shifts personas like changing jackets, but Keith has always remained a steadfast presence as the band's musical and spiritual anchor. Here's Keith in a fantastic 1999 interview with Chris Evans. When you're on stage, does your mind wander off or are you always in the guitar? Oh, no, no, I don't think on stage. I feel, you know, thinking is, uh, I don't count, I don't think, I don't, you can't, once you got up there, you're just who you are, you, you're not thinking. I mean, it's like a little bit of peace and quiet for us, kind of nothing up there. That's where you can just, what all this is about. When we get up there, we're in our own little zone, you know, I mean, nobody's calculating, thinking or anything, we're just feeling. Just trying to get the measure of it, and, you know. Actually, the weird thing is because we love what we do. Has it always been like that? Yeah, couldn't do it otherwise. So that that is your moment, your two hours of tranquility. Is it your favourite two hours of the day? Yeah, that, that's what it's all about. The rest of it is phone calls. Oh, what should we do? Should I talk to you? Or should or they're going to sell it? They didn't do it. Blah 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 blah. Our peace and quiet. No phones ring up there, Bubba. <laughs> When you delve into Keith Richards' early beginnings, you're in for some surprises. Growing up in Dartford, England, his daily soundtrack, thanks to his mother Doris, was a steady diet of early jazz, which included Sarah Vaughan, 
Louis Armstrong, and Ella Fitzgerald. His first glimpse of the guitar was at his grandfather's house. Above the piano hung a Spanish acoustic guitar, which Keith would look at curiously every time he'd visit. He only learned in his adult years that Grandfather Gus would purposely put out the guitar when he knew that little Keith would be by. What most people don't realize is that despite becoming one of rock and roll's biggest icons with his infamous love for the blues and Chuck Berry, well-documented over the years, the very first piece of music Keith Richards ever learned how to play was a Spanish piece called Malagueña. As a guitar player myself, I find this endlessly fascinating, and I can totally see how this piece of music informed Keith Richards' approach to the guitar. It's a musical origin story that has always captivated me. When you learn how to play Malagueña, you can play anything, Grandpa Gus would tell Keith. And Grandpa Gus was right. Within Malagueña, there are many lessons to be learned. Primarily, the art of dynamics, the way the fingers move from single notes into chords and then back again. That dance between light and shade, it's an invaluable lesson in sensitivity, teaching you to harness all the subtle powers of the guitar. In the end, this would open up Keith's forever quest to find new spaces in the guitar that would tickle his and eventually our ears. More on this in a second. Keith has often described the guitar as the perfect shape to bring to bed with you. It's a classic Keith line, but it hints at the idea that Keith has spent countless hours with the guitar, delving deep into its intricacies and uncovering both its beautiful nuances and its humongous powers. In time, he followed the path of his hero. As a dedicated student of Chuck Berry, Keith Richards understood the power of the guitar intro, the mighty riff. He recognized that these brief but unforgettable calling cards weren't just a means to etch a song into people's memories. No, they were also his ticket to carving out a distinct space just for himself in the music. And he eventually struck gold with the band's first song to reach number one on both sides of the Atlantic, a riff that would lock the Stones in as giants. According to Keith, satisfaction came to him via a dream, as Keith explains in his 1994 interview. I don't know, I've, uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and 
with the, with it going on in my head, and I had a little tape recorder, one of the first cassette players, and I slept with the guitar in those days. <laughs> Laid down this riff and went back to sleep. And when I woke up the next morning, I'd totally forgotten about this, except I noticed that my tape had gone from the beginning and that it was finished. Uh, been, you know, somebody been in the room while I was asleep. Uh, so I rushed and put it back to the beginning, and there was satisfaction, like 30 seconds of it, and then 45 minutes of me snoring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems as though those songwriting happy little accidents are very common for Keith. Unlike Mick, who sits down to purposely write a song, Keith doesn't force it. As he explains to Andrew Marr in a 2010 interview on the BBC. Where do they come from, the riffs? And the, I mean, there's a fa famous, I think, satisfaction, you were fast asleep. Yeah, you woke I, up. And... Yeah, that's the perfect way to write a song, yeah. is to dream it. Yeah. But it only happens once in anybody's lifetime, I think. And what I usually find, if the, there are songs floating through the air right now, you know, if I was sitting down, I'd put the antenna up, like the guitar. i said maybe play some Buddy Holly songs or, you know, whoever, you know, just Everly Brothers or, you know, Muddy Waters. I really look upon myself as a, more of an antenna than, you know, going to that thing of like, I created this, I wrote this, and it's a little bit presumptuous, I think. Yes. I think uh, my best description of it is, you know, you, you're there at the right time in the right place, and this idea will come in. The Jagger-Richard songwriting partnership is mystical and magical to me. Mick is more of a straightforward songwriter, cerebral, disciplined, and deliberate. Keith, on the other hand, writes whenever his antenna picks up a signal. His writing is more impressionistic and aims for the gut. He wants a reaction from the heart first. The body has to move. It must start with the feel, the touch. And then the finer details come later. Let's go back to Keith's quote that I mentioned at the very beginning. Mick is the rock, I'm the role. In their partnership, Mick brings a powerful purpose, direction, and consistency to the music, while Keith brings an unpredictability to the music. Keith's ability to make the music connect with our insides, bones and all, is his superpower. In the late 60s, Keith became restless with the guitar, and he would look to find new ways to approach the instrument. During a break from touring, he did a deep dive into old blues artists from the 1920s and 1930s. He discovered that these blues artists played in very strange tunings. Soon, Keith incorporated these unique tunings into the Stones' new music. Songs like Street Fighting Man and Jumping Jack Flash. These were in open E tunings. Keith would reach a new apex in his abilities on the album Let It Bleed, 
where he takes on most of the guitar work by himself on the entire album. That includes this song, Gimme Shelter, a song that almost 60 years later still freaks me out. experimentation didn't stop there. He began to incorporate the open G tuning, which offered slightly more different options and colors to his playing. By also removing the sixth string in this tuning, this gave Keith a tighter and punchier attack. The open G tuning was especially popular among slide guitar players. You see, that type of playing would mainly focus on single note playing across the guitar. But no one used the open G tuning as a tool primarily for rhythm playing, such as full chords. No one until Keith. fell into place. And with that, the five-string open G guitar became Keith's signature sound. Different guitar tunings completely scramble your brain and ear as a guitar player. For some guitar players, that could be a bad thing. But for those looking for an alternate, fresh way to look at the guitar, it opens up a world of possibilities in the way you approach it. And Keith discovered this very quickly. Remember earlier, we were talking about Keith being obsessed about finding new angles and corners in the guitar. Embracing alternate tunings, especially his transition to the five-string open G guitar, was Keith Richards engaging in an ambitious experiment within his musical laboratory. It was a bold and adventurous move that produced many of the magical moments behind the Stones music. As he explains in this amazing 2015 interview with Matt Sweeney. You started to figure it out. Mean, at the time, I was like, I'm going to get nowhere more with six string guitar. I got you. I'm just going to be repeating myself and repeating myself. And uh, when I found the five string, it was like learning a new instrument. <laughs> 
all the all the tonal relationships change. Yeah. yeah. There's uh, five. There's right. five strings. There's only three notes. Hmm. After that, you need two hands. One hand. One hand. <laughs> <laughs> When it comes to Keith's riffs, there are too many to mention. We all have our favorites, but for me, nothing matches the greatness of Can't You Hear Me Knocking. It can be easy to overlook this riff. It's not super aggressive or overtly bombastic, but note how Keith uses space here. He doesn't fill every moment with a sound. It's the pauses and breaks that add to that sense of anticipation. It's pure Keith magic. felt that people took the easy route when they think about the Jagger Richards songwriting team that Mick writes all the lyrics and Keith comes up with all the riffs yeah I mean that could be true a lot of the time but you'd be surprised just how many tunes Keith penned himself songs like Ruby Tuesday Angie she's a rainbow these are all super catchy mega melodic pop songs that get stuck in your head not the rock and roll anthems that keith would be known for Keith is a man who contains multitudes. One of the other major ingredients that make up Keith Richards is his love for American country music. In fact, one of the Stones' biggest ballads of all time was written primarily by Keith. If songs like Jumping Jack Flash define one side of Keith Richards, then Wild Horses defines the other. While the Stones were scoring hit after hit, touring non-stop, and becoming household names throughout the 60s and the 70s, behind the scenes, 
things began to take a toll on Keith Richards. Here is Keith elaborating on this period in a 2010 BBC documentary. I think the reason I was taking it was how to deal with fame and, and, and pressure. And it's one way to run away. And I ran away to the boppy. I used it as a wall against me and fame and, and the public bit. I'm not really, you know, that way inclined to show up. I mean, I'd have been quite happy to make all these records totally anonymously. <laughs> but then, of course, I mean, right. that's not possible. You know, I mean, hey, you've got to get out there and put yourself out. I always found it intriguing that Keith would often refer to his relationship with drugs as an experiment. Something to try for a period, but to have the clarity to know when to stop. Keith's song, Before They Make Me Run, crystallized this period of his life perfectly. It's a song that delves into the world of booze, pills, and powders, but simultaneously serves as an anthem for change and fresh beginnings and the satisfaction that comes with being able to walk away in one piece and on your terms. During his speech inducting Chuck Berry to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Keith famously admitted that he stole every lick Chuck Berry ever played. Well, I am going on record here and saying that I have stolen every lick Keith Richards ever played. Hmm, somehow I'm sure that admission won't be making as much waves, but nevertheless, it's the truth. Keith Richards is my guitar teacher, and I'll always be his student. I leave you now with something that comes from my personal Stones archive. This performance comes from a bootleg recording of a studio session for the 1994 album Voodoo Lounge. It's Keith Richards alone with a microphone and an acoustic guitar. As a young teen, I played this recording on repeat for weeks. As far as I was concerned, this was a masterclass on how to handle the acoustic guitar. During a break in the session, Keith decided to play some of his favorite songs. And the songs run the gamut of popular music. Cole Porter's I Get a Kick Out of You, The Beatles' Please Please Me, Goodbye to Love by the doo-wop group The Marcells, Bob Dylan's Girl from the North Country. What a playlist! But he constantly comes back to one song in particular, the country blues standard, Cocaine Blues. It's an immaculate performance that encapsulates the beauty and finesse of Keith Richards. Listen to him work that guitar. 
Grandpa Gus would be proud. Thanks for joining me today. We will see you next time on Hangfire, a Rolling Stones podcast.